And good Friday to you. Good late June. What is it? June 25th already? It is, as I look at the calendar. June 25th, this is another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I am Chris Landry, joined, uh, as always, by with Neil McCready. Uh, as we take you through, uh, let's just say, Neil, the, the world of sports. We, we SEC Football, we've kind of talked about the latest things that go on in the SEC outside of football, talk NFL. We mix a lot of things in. LSU, by the way, has got their baseball coach. Um, official. Well, it's going to be official. It was uh, certainly uh, consummated yesterday, finalized yesterday. So good Friday with you, my friend. Uh, how are things with you? Uh, Chris, it is good. Wrapping up, uh, wrapping up a week before I sort of take a summer week off. My son and I always go on kind of a summer trip, just the two of us. We didn't get to go last year, so we're leaving on uh, on Monday. And, um, yeah, so I'm kind of just getting getting to the finish line, chasing some rumors around that are flying around that I'm not sure I'm super comfortable talking about. But we're going to we're going to hint at it a little bit here in a minute. Um, uh, but some on air programming here, because I kind of forgot. I, I didn't know exactly when you and uh, Carson were gone. So next week. Uh, Tuesday and Friday myself. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Yeah, I mean, don't don't break time, family time. To I can absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll be driving. Talk with we'll, good we'll, drive. we'll be driving Tuesday morning, and then uh, I don't know what we'll do on Friday morning. Yeah. So all right. Yeah, we'll we'll take it. We'll, just a reminder. So you know, Neil. Neil's not. Nothing's bad happened. He's just. Where y'all going? By the way, is that a secret or? No, it's not a secret. We're going to Nashville, and then we're going to Cincinnati. Uh, oh, cool. Gonna see some. Uh, gonna see some major league baseball. Gonna see some major league soccer. Carson's really into soccer. Uh, see, watching that Euro twenty twenty oh, yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. So good. I need to uh, need to have him explain it because there's, there's all these tournaments and I never know what the hell does it mean. I can follow the World Cup and I can follow the Olympics because I know what the end game is. But like you know, when they finish Euro twenty twenty, is it gonna be like? Uh, you know, some other tournament that I'm not quite sure what the hell is that I kind of yeah, interested, really but I can't sure. follow it. I, I, the, the one thing I've I've done with soccer over the years, as he's gotten older and started playing at a higher level and that kind of thing, you start to appreciate the game a little bit more because it's no longer just a bunch of kids kicking the ball towards a the net. It, there's there's you do start to see the strategy and the technique and the uh, the high level European soccer is amazingly really good and it, it it's taken me till recently to get to where i can appreciate it but who was it i watched the other day it was france and portugal and i know the game ended in a draw because they're still in the pool stage but my god man that was phenomenal soccer it really was i mean it was the athletes on that field you know and people say well what's you know in america the the greatest young athletes for the most part and there's an exception here and there but for the most part, the greatest young athletes in America don't play soccer. Or they play soccer, but they, they quit playing soccer when they, when they specialize. They specialize in, in basketball or football or, you know, uh, I guess baseball. But, uh, you know, it's, American soccer has gotten better. There's no question about that, especially on the female side, where you see what would happen in America if – and, again, I'm not one of these – I'm not one of these – Soccer Nazis. Those people drive me insane. I'm, I'm, I'm a person who just appreciates sports. I, I like good sports. But you do see on the female side, as more and more 
of America's best young female athletes go into soccer instead of basketball, instead of whatever. Obviously, they don't play football for the most part. If you do play football as a female, good for you. That's all good. Everybody stay calm. But you see America dominates on the world stage. So, you know, it's what would happen if that happened with young male athletes in America. That's we're, we're nowhere close to that. It's not going to happen in our lifetime. I don't, I don't know if it'll ever happen in anyone's lifetime, but regardless, it's great soccer. And Carson's team is Chelsea FC Chelsea out in, in the English premier league. He likes them and they, he's liked them before they had Christian Pulisic, the probably the best American player in the world who plays for uh, plays for that team. They call him captain America across the pond. But um, so we watch we watch Chelsea a lot. We watch a lot of English Premier League. That's probably the the the, the dream trip for him would be to go to uh, to London and go to like multiple English Premier League games. He would he would think that was well. I may go with you one time, and I'll drop y'all off, and I'll go watch the British Open. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Right. I had a um, it was. Uh, I, I think it was the Scouts Eye on Football show when you're maybe it was the Landry Football Podcast yesterday. Well, well, by the way, that you can catch on most of these channels here as I do them. Um, same time, um, most of the same channels. Um, and we had a new, and of course, we always appreciate everybody coming in the chat room and our regulars, new people. And there was a new guy came in I didn't recognize it. He was, oh, my man, Chris. Football, this and that and the other, and he says, <laughs> "I got the question. What do y'all like? Who do y'all like in Euro 2021?" And I'm saying, "This dude has found me, found us, <laughs> and got the wrong football channel." And he probably says, "Oh bleep!" I'm going, "No, I don't know if it was a joke or he just got confused." But we talk, we talk the other football, the the our football here. We're gonna get into, or I'd like to get into discussing. Really like our folks in the chat room. What's the biggest storylines for you? And look, I I get it. You, your storylines are going to be tied to your favorite team, so I get that. But what are the some of the storylines in the conferences here that most intrigue you? Is it okay? Well, Alabama's Alabama, or is it you know, can anybody dethrone them in the league or nationally? Uh, Georgia storyline is. Do they take that step? And particularly, what does JT Daniels in the passing game look like? That's probably tied to that. That's yeah. You know, is 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 anybody realistic? And take your fan hat off out there, folks. I challenge you to do that because that's I, I don't I don't relate to that as much. Anybody other than Alabama versus Georgia at this stage, unless something happens, and it can during the season, you know, to change that, dissuade that make the teams significantly weaker. Anything other than Alabama versus Georgia would be a really big surprise to me. Um, you ask about storylines. I'll give you a few that interest me as we, it, we, you know, kind of for me, this like I take this week off and then I come back and it's boom. We go right into football media days and then Ole Miss gets started with camp shortly thereafter and away we go. The things that kind of percolate in my mind that are interesting we just saw Texas A&M look very close to being elite. Not elite, but close. Can they take the next step? That's one. That would be on my list. It's actually second. Um, just thoughts. 
you mentioned Georgia. I mean, I think this is this is a year for Georgia where because they have an experienced quarterback and Alabama doesn't, um, how much does that close the gap between Georgia and Alabama? Is this the year that Georgia can finally get past Alabama and, and win the SEC? That's that's one. A big one is LSU. Um where LSU was, was rebound or yeah, they were not particularly good last season. There's a lot of talent on that roster, but there's also a lot of chaos um, around around that program, and and you hear a lot of rumblings of chaos inside that program. Is Ed Orgeron going to be able to kind of keep that ship in the harbor, if you will, or is is are the storms going to push them out to sea? And and if that happens, is it you know what happens? That's interesting. I'm uh, I'm really curious to see what happens in year two for the two uh, the two coaches in this state. Can Mike Leach do in year two at, at Mississippi State what he's been able to do sometimes in year two at other places, or is that job too difficult for him <clears throat> for his system to work? I'm curious to see what Lane Kiffin in year two looks like, where um, they've got a experienced quarterback coming back that for a ton of yards a year ago they've got to replace elijah moore but i think they're going to be better on defense they've got it they've, they've got some continuity for the first time in that program offensively for a while so Ole miss to me is really interesting um i'm interested in auburn in year one under brian harson that's uh by the way we got year one for four programs yeah Harson and, and year in year two for two more six yeah programs in within their second year I've got an eye on Missouri because uh, Aliyah Drinkwitz, at times last season, they looked like they were kind of close to making a, a step. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about a step towards contention, but a step towards being a better program. So they're interesting to me. Tennessee is always interesting because there's always this odd enthusiasm about the Vols in the offseason. But they have a lot of guys that left, a lot of transfer. It feels like a program that has been sort of cratered I'm interested to see what they look like because I don't anticipate them being very good at all. Um, that's about it, Chris. The the other one that maybe that's way way down there. It's not as not as interesting, but late last season when Arkansas made the shift uh, to to KJ Jefferson, the the young quarterback, he had a big game at Missouri. They couldn't stop them. They lost a high scoring game, but. You know, how much different do they look in year two? They feel like they have recruited better at, at in Fayetteville, that they, they feel like they're going to be better on both lines of scrimmage. And if they are, they, they get interesting. They get an early big game against Texas that's going to be a, a big sellout there. It'll be a lot of a lot of an opportunity for them to to build program momentum, season momentum there. So to me, there's a lot of compelling storylines that go far beyond the obvious one and the obvious one is Alabama and, and Saban and, and, you know, can they do it again? And is there any sign at all that Nick Saban's going to slow down or that we're getting any closer to the end? That that's still a big, big story. But to me, there's a lot of other stories that are out there. We didn't, even, we, we just went, I just went through that diatribe and did not mention Dan Mullen in Florida. Yeah. They, they have to replace Kyle Trask. What do they look like without Trask? Because sometimes last year Trask bailed them out of, what could have been some embarrassing kind of losses. I'll give you an example. If Kyle Trask isn't if, – if there's an average quarterback on the field last season, Florida loses its opener at Ole Miss. I mean, there there was 
Florida got bailed out a little bit by having Trask, and now he's gone, so Dan Mullen has to replace him. He's always been very good with quarterbacks, but he's got his work cut out for him in Gainesville this year. So, you know, the, the, the league's good. The league's really good. And then as the season progresses, this is 2021, the other kind of thing that's going to pop up out there is we're going to start talking about uh, conference realignment. We're going to start talking about uh, some of these, some of these uh, programs around the country that have been sort of propping up their leagues over the years, looking at the money that, that is starting to pop in the SEC and pop in the Big Ten and go, what are we doing? I, I do think that's going to happen. I think that's going to be a big story in addition to next season going to the 12-team playoff and all of that. I think there are going to be some really big-picture stories that pop up over the course of the fall. Well, a couple of things. Um, is Florida closer to Georgia, or is they closer to the third spot? I have my yeah. thoughts on it. Uh, are they in what I like to call the clear line of delineation? Is a Georgia clear line, Florida clear line this year, Missouri, Kentucky, Kentucky, Missouri, in mm -hmm. any order you want to put it? Or is it Georgia, Florida line? Now, uh, pardon me, isn't that a Florida, isn't that a music thing? I, 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 I didn't mean that. It is a I didn't mean that. Respect. Georgia, okay. Florida, Florida, whatever. Um, that's um, that. That's intriguing. You know how how close is it? Get asked a lot. Is the gap closing? Is it not? Because people are looking at. Well, they beat them last year. Well, we'll see. I think that that is maybe the most intriguing thing. I, the other thing, in a big general sense, is how bad is the East? How good is the West? Because I can see a scenario where the record of the last place team in the West is a pretty good football team. And I think there's a chance to be three really bad teams in the East. Yeah, you know, it's really bad. It's interesting you say that because I had that conversation with someone the other day. I mean, someone's going to finish seventh in the SEC West, and I don't know that there's a bad team in the West. I know, I know, I know Arkansas has got a chance to have a really bad record. But I don't know that they're going to be a bad team. I actually think they're going to be okay in some spots. I don't think they're going to be good. But I think there's a chance that Arkansas, by the time you finish watching them, they look sort of average. I think Mississippi State could actually have a fairly good defense. They've got a veteran quarterback coming back. Um, they've got an, an, another quarterback, uh, Jack Abraham, who's from, um, from Oxford who went to Louisiana Tech and then Southern Miss. He kind of fits the leech scheme a little bit, but he's certainly not a SEC-looking quarterback, if you will. But So State's interesting. And, look, I think Ole Miss is going to be a good team. I think Auburn's going to be a good team. I mean, that you know, but, but some of those teams have losses. And that's why LSU's – to me, LSU has this wide range of potential outcomes, Chris, that, you know, who – who knows? I mean, if LSU lives up to its capability from a talent standpoint, well, those are games for like Ole Miss and Auburn that suddenly become very difficult to win. If LSU is chaos and they fall apart and get splintered, well, those are games that teams like Ole Miss and Auburn would win, and then all of a sudden those teams appear to be taking a jump. Ket um, in the chat room says, uh, brings up one of them that I think is a storyline, is the narrative that Leach's teams take a giant step in year two, hold true for Mississippi State. And I think that what you're going to see and what his teams, they'll be more functional on offense. They'll, they'll make less mistakes. 
but one of the things that to the point of they can be pretty good but and I think that they may surprise somebody as they tend to do I mean I think as long as he's going to be there I think you're going to see him really overachieve and win a game that no one sees coming and then he's going to lose a game that no one sees coming and and most of it's going to be their defense is not going to be good enough their defense the way they play offense will always cause that defense problems and I thought last year maybe as good as their defense will look because they really are talented and in some ways had to rely on it more they don't help their defense out that's the other than if they can score a ton of points and you know hey look you can still give up 40 points and still win 45 40 um, they don't do anything to really help their defense flow and, and people will talk well he's at Mississippi State boy he can get better talent than he get got at the other place yeah he can relatively speaking he is further from the top of his conference than he ever was in the Pac-12 of the Big 12 because there's not a lot of big stepping stone teams at the top that you have in the SEC. For the given weaknesses of maybe three or four teams in the bottom of the SEC that you could have that are, quite frankly, are as bad as anybody you want to put in any other conference, the difference with the SEC is the amount of good teams at the top that say a program like Mississippi State's going to have to be. Just look in the West alone. Yeah, they surprised the heck out of LSU. That was more about LSU's collapse starting from the beginning than anything. You, you know, Alabama, a LSU, more talent. So, I mean, you, you've got three teams there that just, it's really difficult. And then it's the crossover. So I think that's going to be interesting. Um, Brian asks, which coach walks into a tougher situation? Kiffin when he went to Ole Miss, Heupel going to Tennessee, or Beamer going to South Carolina. Well, that's easy. It's Heupel going to Tennessee. Because yep. there's great expectations there, and there's off-the-field problems. Out, they had the worst, if I were looking at the transfer portal meter. They, and then probably next, Virginia Tech and Nebraska. But Tennessee, by a wide margin, wins that dubious honor of, gosh, they had a whole lot including Caden Salter, this past Saturday morning when he showed up, when the police showed up, and he had his teammate throw the marijuana out of the uh, <laughs> the car only for the police to find it underneath the tire or something. Anyway, so he's gone. He's gone, uh, and that's not even a transfer portal situation. True freshmen are having trouble there. That's the toughest situation. It's not a good roster. That's Josh, the, the roster's not good. Um, not, neither is South Carolina's roster, but the, there'll be more patience at South Carolina. There's frustration level at Tennessee. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I think the Kiffin situation at Ole Miss, I think, was the was the uh, the easier, and I'm not talking now, I'm not, you know, I mean, easiest of the thing. I think, I think Beamer's going to have a tough, tough road to hoe at South Carolina, but again, more patience, so... Uh, that's kind Lane of how put a really good staff together here. He doesn't get he doesn't get enough credit for for what he did from a staff standpoint. And then they sort of navigated that first year better than I think a lot of people thought they would. They were much better on offense than people thought they would. They were bad on defense, but 
But the, the, the coaching on the defensive side was probably a little better than people gave it credit for. Now they're added some, they've added some athletes. They've got a little more continuity. To me, that's one of the big the, the big question with excuse me. It's okay. The big question with Ole Miss and, and Kiffin is, yes, the defense is going to, to improve, but is it going to improve from awful to just bad, or is it going to improve from awful to average? Because if they're average, I think, I think they become one of the most interesting teams. And when I say this, I mean from an entertainment standpoint. They become one of the most entertaining teams in the league because they're going to score points. Uh, they're going to score points, and if they're better on defense, they're going to win some of these high-scoring games that they lost last year. And if they do that, then they become one of those teams that has momentum and everybody can't wait to watch them to see what happens next. They sort of become a, a soap opera, and I mean that in a, in a good way, where they're kind of unpredictable and you don't know what the next turn's going to be. So yeah, I, think- I, I agree with you completely about Hypel. And, and here's the difference also between Hypel and Beamer. Beamer's kind of South Carolina's guy. They wanted him. Whether it's, whether it's a good fit or not, whether we, you know, the people like you or me think it's a good hire, they like him. They're going to give him time. They're going to get behind him. I'm not sure Heupel has that level of support from the fans at Tennessee. They're, they're going to turn fast. Yeah, I think they're going to understand a little bit more in South Carolina why Kentucky has got a better program than they do right now. Yeah. Tennessee, they don't get that. They they In their mind, it they still should go out and beat Kentucky by 17. And, and they don't they don't get that. And so I, I, I do think that no, and that, it's 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 a so I think it's a tougher situation. So let's kind of think about it real quick. Just kind of recap, but it's Georgia. It's oh my God! It, it's this year. It's never. No, no, I don't agree with that. But it is time, and there's been some preparation into try to get this passing game to the next step. That's that is maybe the difference. A really, really loaded Georgia team. Again, Florida, we discussed that is how close are they? Are they, you know, one year beat Georgia and we're talking about a one out of five, two out of five against Georgia in a five-year span? Is that what Florida is? Or can they get the talent level up to where they can be, you know, neck and neck with Georgia and that's a two-team race that's going to be a real interesting matchup for years to come. Missouri, Arkansas, different, you know, two teams that in the second year, but very similar. Arkansas, I'm curious, because the expectation amongst their fans, and maybe just fans in general, is, oh, man, Sam surprised everybody. Look, they're going to double their win total, and it doesn't work that way. No. It it just, it just, and and all of a sudden, well, well, it's just not. And so I think... I think Arkansas, you will see improvement out of the team. I don't think you're going to see it in the record. I, I do say one of the more intriguing games, September 11th against Texas. Yep. Arkansas, big, would be big statement, and I think there's a legitimate chance that they start 3-0 and because they've got Georgia Southern, no, no, no slots, but got to win that. Okay, if you're going to be, you're going to be, we're getting better. You got to be Rice certainly don't have to be Texas, but I think you can. Then you get into A and M, Georgia. Then you go to Ole Miss, Auburn, and those are the two, you know, two pivotal games. As I anticipate, loss, loss at the end of September, early October. They get they get Auburn and Fayetteville. Yes. Okay. And then. 
Arkansas Pine Bluff and Little Rock, then Mississippi State, LSU, kind of swing games, and then at the end, Missouri swing game. And though that's where it's going to be done in, in between LSU and Missouri is at Alabama, which may not really help the cause against Missouri, depending on how those teams are are shaping up. So I guess my point is, boy, if you can get bowl eligible, what a really good season. Sure. Because, you know, you are in a, what makes that conference tough or makes that division tough is pretty good at the top. I mean, really good at the top and really good at the bottom. And in the middle, well, by definition, pretty good as well. And, you know, if you're relying on LSU's implosion to beat them, then it's really more not so much about what you're doing as much about what's happening to you. Because, again, I think, I think Neil, everybody get to understand people look at the results. But if you don't really see it, if you don't really study it, the results don't tell you what you need to know. Because it's a byproduct of what you do relative to what somebody else does. And so, you know, it's, it's Kentucky and Missouri legitimately third best programs in the SEC East? No, this year they are. Should, shame on them if they don't finish third. Historically, traditionally, you know, probably shouldn't happen. That should be Tennessee, Florida, you know, Georgia. It should be one of those three. Only thing I'm going to um, say about that, and I, while I generally know, I, I know what you're saying, I'm not really, these aren't like fighting words here, but it's been 20 years. With, it's been 20 years with Tennessee, but, but that shows you can screw it up. Yeah, and so what, well, it also shows you that just because you were once powerful, it doesn't mean that you ever regain that power. It, it doesn't, but I've seen programs go through that cycle for longer. It, the, the reason why Tennessee's bad is because they've made themselves bad. They've made bad decisions. They've they've got more going for it. If you do the same, they got more going for it than Kentucky. Kentucky's just done a better job. They've had stability. They've done a better job. Yeah. Tennessee has no stability. They're just bad. And I buy that completely. Yeah, but, but, but but for yeah, twenty years yeah. you forget that. And some, some people on the yeah some people yeah. in our chat room says what. Tennessee was good. Yeah, it, it may not may not remember that. That's like saying, you know, Nebraska. Well, Nebraska's got some resources to be every bit as good or better on a consistent basis than Wisconsin or Iowa. They haven't been. They haven't done long, their job right for a long time. A long time. And so at some point, it, it, at some point, it goes from being a blip to a trend to a reality. Yeah, but again, you can fix that. I, I don't think you can. Maybe. Well, the, the right guy can fix it. They haven't fixed it. Those people may not fix it, but it's still, it's still a good foundation of a house on a good lot. You just gotta, you can't screw it up, and you know. So, but yeah, no, Tennessee right now. To use the house analogy, right? And it, it can be a great house until something happens to the foundation. Yes. No, that's right. No, you got it. Once the foundation's bad, it's bad. That's right, and you know what? And, and it's, I wonder if that's what Tennessee's deal is. It's it, listen. It's been a it's been a minute. It, it's a financial problem too for them that they've got. It's affected the look of um, the Neyland Stadium. Now they, they're doing. I mean, they're they're doing some work, and they they're like got one side of it improved. But that thing, if you go look at it 
on the side, if it was a bridge and you saw where it looked, you wouldn't drive across of it because the rust is so bad. I mean, you know, it would be like, yeah. I'd be scared to death. You well, know, so my point is Tennessee, is, Tennessee is just screwed it up. But we've seen Tennessee be successful. We've never seen Kentucky or South Carolina be a national power in football where they're competing. It's been a long time since Tennessee done it, but long time is not never, I guess is what I'm saying. So they've got that, but but it doesn't mean that five years from now we're not talking about the same thing. I mean, depends on what they do. You know, you depends mentioned on what Ar- they do. You mentioned Arkansas. It, it's it created a question in my mind. You've been around a lot of football programs. I'm curious to get your thoughts on on the word momentum in a season. And here's here's the reason I ask. For kicks and giggles, let's give Arkansas it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be the second game of the season. They open with Rice at home. They'll beat Rice. Uh-huh. They get Arkansas at 6 o'clock uh, at, on September the 11th. Hard to believe 20 years since 9-11. 6 o'clock on uh, September the 11th at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Um, the cheapest tickets for that game right now in, in, the, in the top part of that stadium are going for almost $300. It's going to be a complete sellout. It's going to be crazy. Chris, let's for fun, for the sake of my conversation here, for the sake of the question, let's give them a win. Okay? A big emotional win. Fayetteville is a party on that Saturday night. Okay? <laughs> then they beat Georgia Southern a week later. That's 3-0. and The Texas A&M game at Jerry World now becomes an Arkansas team with a ton of momentum. It kind of becomes a free shot. I think they lose at Georgia, and I think they lose at Ole Miss, whether they beat Texas or not. I think those are losses. So let's give them – we'll put them at 3-3 three and three at this point. But then they get to come home for a really interesting stretch of games with a lot to play for. They get Auburn at home on, September, on October the 16th. They get Pine Bluff and Little Rock. That's a win. And they get Mississippi State at home after an open date on November the 6th. There's an opportunity if they beat Texas. There's an opportunity in the middle of their schedule to make hay, and to have what for them would be a really positive season. So, how much does the momentum matter? Because here's the flip side of that. Let's give them a loss to Texas. Texas comes in there and wins. They're two and one. They lose to A and M. Two and two. Lose to Georgia. Lose to Ole Miss. Now you're two and four, and the season doesn't have the same feel to it when Auburn goes to Fayetteville on October the 16th. How much yep. momentum matter? Well, I, I, I think it, it matters, but I think with the momentum comes with the health, how you plan, how you figure things out. Because, like, you know, momentum could change pretty easy, too, depending on who you plan and, and the, the style matchup, um, the physicality of which they want to play. Uh, like, for example... Say Ole Miss. I mean, I can already say at this point, pretty much know what Arkansas is going to try to do against Ole Miss and what Ar- Ole Miss is going to try to do against Arkansas. It's sure. A little bit different in terms of style. And and so I think that you can build some momentum even in a loss, and sometimes you can lose some momentum even in a win, depending on how it plays out. Uh, I, I think it matters. I, I think also how you come through the game health-wise matters. Um, I do think that that stretch. So, you know, I, after you come back from Georgia – which is after you play A&M and Arlington. You got a two-game stretch, which may not put you in the best momentum or health standpoint against Ole Miss, and it could affect you 
negatively, and you got them as in this exercise as a loss. So if they're three and three, or two and four, depending on the Texas game, then, then certainly to me, I think that Auburn game, that Mississippi State game, yep, um, the Missouri game at the end of the year, just kind of the, those are the swing games. Those are the games that can win, can lose, and really going to depend a lot. Um, you know, it just we'll, we'll see. And and those are games that are winnable, but they're losable. You know, you're not beating Alabama. Look, you know, we can discuss what state LSU is going to be in. LSU's better. Oh sure. And 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 they probably win that. And I would put that in an L column unless the wheels come off. And I'm not even sure that if the wheels come off, that still might not win. I mean, you know, what I mean, it's one of those. I think it's tough. Um. So yeah, I think it's it's going to be, you know, to me. Um. I see four wins. Um, and then at best seven wins if everything goes well. It's kind of the way I see it. Yeah, I think if you offered Sam Pittman six and six right now, he would probably take it, given that they're starting to have some success recruiting. They're starting to kind of feel themselves recruiting a little bit moving forward. I think if you offered him six and six, he would probably take that and, and, and look at that as momentum. And the storyline of the fans is you know how that's going to be because I get this a lot. I mean, I can, I can fast forward two years. Yeah, boy, he's, that Sam Pittman started off good, Yeah, but we can't get to – you're not getting to the next step. That's the whole point. When you come in and there's no expectation and you can't win a game in forever, almost three years, well, of course it's good. And all that, you listen to these – you know, but boy, great job. There's a ceiling there. As I said, there's a glass ceiling for some of these programs, and Arkansas is one of them in the West – that they only can take that seven, eight, nine win if, relatively speaking, those other programs. Oh, Petrino did it. Petrino did it in an environment where he did a good job, but Auburn wasn't doing a good job. The Mississippi schools weren't doing a good job. Um, you know, I, I, you start to throw that in. That's the difference between nine wins and seven wins as a ceiling. Um, you know, we, we saw it in a BCS era, which seems like not long ago. Alabama, or it was LSU, Alabama, Arkansas, top three in the BCS. And LSU, Arkansas, LSU, Arkansas used to play on Thanksgiving Friday, and that used to mean an awful lot. BCS, well, it used to mean when, when Saban was at LSU, it used to mean the representative in the West for a couple of years. So, it's it's changed. The landscape has changed. And Arkansas is battling the Mississippi schools to stay out of the bottom of a very, very difficult division. So now I want to mention something because I also get asked this a lot by folks. Uh, some Arkansas folks, Neil, and others that are just fans. Because to this point, people say things like, well... You're right. Arkansas's because people look at the potential, the tradition, and the money. And and I get this a lot. I get first this is the one thing I get. All that Walmart money and they should be able to do Walmart can't pay cashiers to check us out. Okay, I, I gotta go through the, through the self serve all the time. They ain't spending the money on Arkansas athletics that you think they are. They 
they get good money from Tyson and Walmart, but they don't get as much as probably people would think. And Arkansas has a history, a rich history in the Southwest Conference, where they were really a power under Coach Broyles and the famous 69 Arkansas-Texas game. And people say, Arkansas, better in the Big 12. Um, more competitive, yes. Could they do what Iowa State's doing and build a program to where people are talking about them as maybe this, you know, Texas is not playing elite ball, so we just talked about it. They can compete with Texas week two. That tells you, yeah, folks, no, Arkansas is not going to, no one's going to leave the SEC willingly. Hell There's no. so Good much money. money. And by God, if you're a Big Ten school, you're not going to leave to go to the SEC. But I, I get this a lot. People look at it strictly on the field. The Big 12 is totally run by Texas, and to a lesser degree, Oklahoma. But Texas is the, the, the lead dog, the, the, what's the cow with the bell, the lead, and, and Oklahoma's right behind them. No pun intended. Steer, whatever. Um, you don't. You don't leave the, the you don't you don't go to the Big Twelve, which is the low hanging fruit of conferences, and you're not making it. So just well, forget me, that. That's never going to happen. Let me say financially. This, it's 2021. Uh, the 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 Big Twelve has at most. I believe this. I've long believed this. The Big Twelve has at most four years left. It's it's a dead man. That, yeah. league, that league is not – when I say it's not going to survive, it's not going to survive this particular contract. It's why when people – I saw someone wrote it the other day, and I can't remember who, and I don't care. I, I, I despise half the people in my field anyway. Wrote about how Arkansas should go to the Big 12. Yeah. And he wrote, about it, and he wrote about it from an athletic standpoint. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's journalism for you. Nobody understands money. They would. They, they, there's not a chance in hell that Arkansas or Missouri either. People go. They don't fit either. Okay, they're not leaving the SEC money That's to right. go to go to less money. They're just not. No, not they're a, not in there to be competitive in football. That's not what it's about. Yeah, and, and so, so people tell me it's money. It's money. it's all about that. If you I ever, cannot believe that people that'd be a better fit. No, they wouldn't. It could be a better fit on a conference that is the low-hanging fruit that everybody that's not Texas and Oklahoma are holding their breath because the minute Texas says, we're going somewhere else, the whole Big 12 becomes nothing but the Mountain West. Nobody's going to go to that. That's exactly it right. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I get it. If you're saying... Yeah, Arkansas can be as good as in it. It's not about that. You're just talking about, yeah, no. Could Arkansas have a program that's the third best in the Big 12? Sure. Yes. Yeah, so what in yeah, football? Exactly. So what? It, it's not what it's about. We just went through a pandemic where everyone lost a fortune. The SEC said, hey, we got it. Don't worry about it. We're going to borrow from this future TV contract that's going to be worth bazillions, basically, and handed everybody a check for $23 million. Guess what leagues didn't do that, Chris? The other ones didn't. The Big 12 damn sure didn't. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma have propped that league up. 
There's no chance, zero chance, Texas and Oklahoma renew their standing in that contract. No chance. Not happening. Yeah. I don't know where they're going. I don't know how imminent anything is. I have no, no idea. I wish I were more sourced. When I was in Mobile back in the day, I was a lot more sourced on that than I am now that I'm just a lowly old Miss beat writer. But there's no chance. That grant of rights ends roughly four months, four years from today. I think it's the end of June 2025. It will not be renewed. And here's the interesting thing. They're not going to let that contract get all the way to the end. No, it's no, going to right. it's going to implode sometime in 2022, 2023, 2024 at the very latest. It's going to implode. So the people that do that about Arkansas and Missouri, those are the two that they just don't fit. Well, they're in. Yeah, well, they, they're they, in, baby. They're, they're, they're making, it's right. They're making money, and they're absolutely in. And. Well, and it's people that don't understand how the politics of it work. The Missouri's not in there because they're a geographical or a football fit. They're there because they get a television market that they did not have before. Two specifically. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's a City different one. Well, Clemson's a better Clemson's a better football program. Yes, Florida State's a better football program. Yes. That doesn't give you a, a different market. And that is their criteria. So understand the criteria, and then, you know, you're looking at a different criteria. But, well, you know, and I get it. I, I Folks are not interested in the money part of it until they realize how it affects the football part of it. Here's what's interesting, Chris, is I think if you in, – in, in four years from now, when you make an objective list of top 25 football programs – I think you'd be able to argue. I'm, I mean, I mean this. What I'm about to say, because of the money, the money, because the money lets you do anything you need to do. Because of the money, I think you would be able to argue that 13 of the 14 current SEC programs would be able to make a legitimate argument, legitimate argument, that they're a top 25 program in terms of resources, in terms of ability. I know that they beat each other up and all that, but the ability to for for a school in the SEC to go, okay, you know what? We've got to redo our stadium. We've got the money to do it. We can do it. We've got to build a new practice facility. We've got to build this. We've got to build that. We've got the money to do it. A lot of these programs, like you mentioned, like Iowa State, they're winning. Iowa State doesn't have that kind of money. And when Texas and OU bolt, Iowa State will have even less money. And so people can talk about, well, Matt Campbell this. and Matt, You're, you're hung up on the football and not on the money. And That's the right. money, and, and hey, with NIL coming here in the next week in most of these places, I mean, it's here, man. Those places are going to be able to afford. The rich are going to get really rich. The middle class in, in college football <coughs> is, is going to drop. And the poor... They're not going to have a livable wage. Yeah. And so, you know, the, this this argument that anyone would leave the SEC, if anything, what's probably happening underneath the radar is schools like OU and Texas are exploring their ability to get into it. Yeah, I'm curious about Texas. 
unless their dynamic changes of how they consider themselves, I don't think they're to them. And hold on to your seat, SEC fans. This is is SEC football, man. Texas considers themselves, you know, too snooty for the SEC. They consider themselves more Pac-12-ish and maybe even Big Ten-ish, where they can flaunt that we are a elite, prestigious, academic institution of higher learning. As the folks in Austin will try to tell you, they, they want to be like Alabama, but then also be like Cal Berkeley. They're, they're, that's where they consider themselves. So I wonder uh, where things would go, and I would think that they could get more and probably depending on the new commissioner of the Pac-12. We know that was the rumor for a while. I think that would have a better chance um, of happening than the SEC um, because I think they could get more. They, Texas would kind of want some of their own things. They, they kind of consider themselves a little bit of like they – they think with the Longhorn Network, which hasn't done very well for ESPN, it's the only thing, that, one of the few things that just hadn't worked for them it's, financially. It's actually bled money. Um, and good thing they got, you know, such a pipeline of bloodstream that they, but well, they, 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 they get consider- By the way, the, the, the Longhorn Network deal with ESPN goes through June of 2031. 2031. So it's a few more years. Left, yeah. Ten years. Wow. It was a long deal, but I thought we had been a little bit longer into it. Um so and they kind of consider themselves like, yeah, no, like Notre Dame has their own national network. We 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 have our own, and you know they that's how they consider themselves. Now people can say, well, they can get over themselves, but that's how they view it. So it'd be interesting. I don't know where they would go, but yes, if they decided that on Monday they were going somewhere else, then the rest of the league would dissolve on on uh, Tuesday. Chet has um, Auburn has averaged four point eight five losses per year over the last seven years. When Auburn uh, struggles, it's always blamed on the coach. When UM, I'm guessing that's Ole Miss, um, and South Carolina loses, it's because the program's in ceiling. Well, the difference, Chet, is that Auburn has won national titles and has been a little more nationally prominent than those schools. So. The whole point, just like the Tennessee conversation, as Neil talked about, Tennessee's been down for a long time. Tennessee's done it. Now, you can just go back and say, you know, you want to talk about old time. Well, then Ole Miss has kind of been nationally prominent in the 50s. but it's been, And they've been good at other times, but Auburn has been like in the national championship conversation a few times, whereas South Carolina has never quite been that on a consistent basis. So... I do think there's a ceiling, and now, is that a program that's, you know, are they? Could you make it better? Well, you know, and Auburn does have a few things. It's they got Jimmy Rain. They've got a few other key boosters that they can write checks and do things that that you know other programs are not quite as good. Although other programs in the, in the SEC have more money now to do more. So you see, like Kentucky's facilities are, you know better than Florida State's, and Mark Stoops says, why the hell would I go back to Tallahassee when I got better facilities at Kentucky? I mean, so you see a lot of that, but relatively speaking, you got even more extra money, new money, outside money from a place like Auburn. That's the difference. Um, but Auburn is, 
in this regard, they're even though they've had success, Gus did against Alabama, they are in the shadow of Alabama more than anybody. You covered that program. You know what that expectation is of, yep. of Auburn fans. And there were times. Pat Dye had it rolling where they were a, you know, they were they were the big dog towards the end of well, really, you know, for a stretch. Um Tuberville won six straight against Alabama. So we've seen Auburn have You're success. Telling me, Chris, I, I, I was yeah, I was uh, well aware that, that yeah. streak probably cost me a radio career. So I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> um, I didn't realize that. I didn't mean to. Yeah. I, I guess I threw salt and, and, and it landed in a wound. I didn't know. I just I threw. I, threw, I was throwing it over my shoulder for good luck, and it landed. Um, so I think that's the difference. Look, I think you look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We've seen cut Eli. You know, go Cotton Bowl. Good, we saw. First playoff rankings, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, but that's that's it, you know. So I think that's the difference, Chad. Is that some have done it and may not have done it for a while consistently, but they have done it. LSU's not real consistent, but they did win it two years ago, and it's things like that that I think that maybe is why that's the 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 difference. Um, so anyway, there's there's I think that it is. It's attainable, maybe, for more teams. And again, my view of the haves and the have-nots in the SEC is if the have-nots do it well, Neil, you can take advantage if the haves don't do it. So Kentucky, Missouri, in the East this year, if you finish slower than third, shame on you. Because I don't know how you even do that. Because with Vanderbilt in a rebuild, bad situation, South Carolina in a rebuild, bad situation, a Tennessee in a rebuilt bad situation. I mean, if you can't figure that out, and if that roster and that rebuild, um, I don't know. You know, there's there's absolutely the it's it's you you clearly have advantages at some places, and it doesn't mean that if you don't have them, you can't win it. It's just that much more difficult, that much more challenging. Well, what's interesting, we don't have the time to get into it. What's interesting is Saban's dominance. We talk about the word narrative, right? Saban's dominance, and it's been pure dominance. Greatest coach ever, greatest run ever. Likely never to be replicated. But his dominance has created a narrative at Alabama that I don't know is exactly accurate. We'll see. But I covered Alabama for those years. I was there. I covered I was I was in I was in Birmingham or Mobile from 97 through 2000 first part of 2008. And Alabama wasn't that good. No, they were, they were, they were an average program. Very they, average. They, you know, Dubose had the one good year. Uh, I'm trying to think. Shula had the one year. I think they don't. People, please don't hold me to numbers because that's it's been a while and I don't care. Shula had the one year where they went ten. They won ten games and went to a Cotton Bowl. They were a pretty good team. It was the year that Tyrone Prothrow broke his leg. Uh, they were a good team. They always had the ability to be good, to pop up and be good. But they were average. 
You mentioned Tommy Tuberville and Auburn. Six wins, six wins in a row. That Egg Bowl would roll, not the Egg Bowl, the, the Iron Bowl would roll around, and I'd be like, oh, God, please, Alabama, win this one. So that on Monday, when we come back, we can talk about Alabama won. Hey, whoa, awesome. All you boosters in Mobile who hate me, calm down. You won your game. It's all good. And it didn't happen. Auburn won six in a row. Tuberville had had Auburn. The Auburn program during that decade was head and shoulders above the Alabama program. And so there's a part of me. Listen, don't get me wrong. Alabama's great. And if everything's even, Alabama's got resources and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think it's an absolute guarantee locked in stone that when Saban moves on, whenever that is, that Alabama doesn't take a step back. Oh, I think it's a guarantee locked in stone that they do take a step back. And so when they do take a step back, that's kind of my point. Just how far? I just, I'm not as, and I'm not saying I'm right. It's just an opinion. My opinion is that a lot of, a lot of what's happened in the SEC for the past 17 years, really, is Saban. Sure. It's as more than it is ceilings and floors. For example, and, and I do believe this, I think if Nick Saban were at Georgia instead of Alabama, Georgia would, have, Georgia would have had this run of dominance. No, no doubt. No I doubt. think if Nick Saban were at South Carolina, mm. he would have – it might not be to this level, but he would be dominant. Here's the difference. I just think greatness is greatness, and Saban is great. Here's the difference. At Alabama, you can get things done without any layers of bureaucracy, and I know Saban's earned that, but when they need something, they get it done. When Saban was at LSU, like, for example, if you need a million dollars today, that's one phone call in five minutes at Alabama. That's yeah. That's two hours in phone calls to five people at LSU, and it might take a week to get it done. Like, you know, people, somebody, uh, Corey, hey, Corey, how you doing? Says LSU was garbage for a long time prior to saving. Well, they were garbage for a stretch, bad hires. But I was on the staff there where we won three SEC titles. And you go back over history where the LSU's been good. Here's the difference. Say what? Uh, someone asked, well, what's the difference between Auburn and South Carolina? South Carolina's never won an SEC title. South Carolina's never. South Carolina's won one conference title in their history, 1969 in the ACC. So that's the difference. They've never done it. Here's the point. You can do it. If you're South Carolina, you're Ole Miss. When, Ole Miss is the only school that hadn't played for the conference championship since we've gone to division. Yep. So my point is, is they've never done it in the modern history. Now, sure. now they've been you really, know, that's really the difference. A couple of times, but yeah, sure. Right. Come close. Yeah. But if when Alabama makes changes, LSU underachieves, you can do it if you're those schools. It's just some have more resources. On the outside, I know that people reporting records over a certain time. That is not to do with anything that goes on behind the scenes. When you're kind of pulled behind the curtain and you know how these departments operate, it's a lot easier at certain places. It's a lot easier. You can do a lot of things at some places that you can't do in others. This is why, like, what Stoops is doing at Kentucky is phenomenal because he's doing relative to, to, you know, to what he can do. 
um, you know, I don't, I don't, if Saban was at South Carolina, he would be as good as South Carolina could be. But say, the whole point is, is, you know, um, he would never take that job because they couldn't give him all the things that an Alabama could. Here's the little story that people may not know is when Saban left LSU, he was going to the NFL and he wanted to try that anyway. But one of the things that really turned sour for him was when Mark Emmert left LSU before Nick did and went to Washington. Nick had the direct line. He went over Skip Bertman. When Nick wanted something, he called Mark Emmert, and it was pretty much done. Now, Mark could get it done. It took a little while. At Alabama, you don't have that. And, and that was the first day he was at Alabama. He's had that first day. He didn't have to win a title to get that. That's the difference. Alabama has got financial resources that others don't have, and that's what makes it unique. Now, Saban can take that and be a championship level. Clemson has that. Georgia has that. They don't utilize those advantages as well as Nick yeah. does. Alabama, but there's, had hit, Alabama had hit rock bottom. And and Malmore, once once the Rich Rodriguez fiasco fell apart, that's where Alabama really caught a break. Alabama owes Rita Rodriguez a lot of things because if Rita Rodriguez doesn't <laughs> doesn't raise hell, Rich, the Nick Saban never happens at Alabama. Rich Rodriguez is the coach at Alabama, and I'll I'll go to my grave on that one. Rich Rodriguez took that job; it was offered to him, and he took it, and then he 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 backed away. And then at that point, Malmore said, "All right, look, here we are." Let's do this. And the assurance to Saban was, I'll get everyone out of your way. It's your program. You run it. It it took hitting rock bottom to get to that place. And then after that, yeah, you're exactly right. They got they got out of the way. The boosters that used to want a seat at the country club gave up their seat as long as he won. And then he won big. And as he won big, it just steamrolled. And the monster got bigger and bigger and bigger to where it is today, which is the unquestioned preeminent program in college football. No question about it. They're, they're, they're the best. Yeah, look, and, and, and Chet brings up the point, uh, God didn't declare that Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, and LSU would be better than everyone. Well, no. But, again, if you look at it, there is a difference because Alabama makes more money. Auburn has more money. LSU has got no – now, I'm going to tell you, and, and again, a lot of folks, I don't know how the age of a lot of our folks, there's no two programs that were more similar back in the day than LSU and Ole Miss. And they went in different directions. Now, we're talking free integration and whatnot. Uh, LSU's not a, Louisiana's not a rich state, Mississippi's not a rich state. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason why if, if LSU has a coaching search and Ole Miss has a coaching search, that's a different coaching search. Sure. Yeah, different level of interest. So when you say, well, the right hires, yeah, it's the right hires. But you also have the ability to go get somebody at one place that you can't get somewhere else. South Carolina can't go get the same guy that LSU can get. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're at a place that's really good that you make a good hire, you can make a bad hire. Or a guy can do a bad job. But, no, it doesn't mean that, that those programs of which you speak, Chet, can't win. They can. They just have to overcome more things. And the teams that do win, you know, can Alabama with a bad hire like USC? USC 
is more resources and more things going for it than anybody in the Pac-12, even including the rich Phil Knight Oregon-backed football program. Yet, yes, he's not very good. Why? Not the right coach. So, yes, there's no question that the good hire and a bad hire is going to take your program to a different level. And we are in an era where everybody can make a lot more money. So how do you put your emphasis into your program? Uh, what type of money can you do to get things done? How much are you willing to pay whatever for a coach, a staff? Look at it. Look at, how, look at the money that certain schools pay for analysts, for support staff versus others. There is a difference. This is a difference. This podcast has been brought to you by Blue Sky. They believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast, easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh. Always provide the freshest flavors of the brand names, best services available. Smile can say it all. And at Blue Sky, they want to show their customers they care about them and their shopping experience. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast as you travel for the 4th of July. Look for Blue Sky. You'll be glad you did. We're also brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. They are your trailer-specific professional. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. They also have Hallmark Cargo Trailers, and uh, they can work with third parties to uh, have game day trailers, concession trailers built if you're uh, getting ready for a middle school so uh, soccer or football season, middle school uh, or high school football season, high school soccer season, whatever the case may be, you need a concession trailer that's built just for the right size, just for, for, uh, for your school. Get in touch with the people at Alpha. They do all sorts of more things too. Spare tires and wheels, full selection of trailer parts and accessories. They uh, also can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. Let's give them a call, 601-932-9798, or check them out at alphaofms.com. Again, that's alpha, A-L-P-H-A of ms.com. And Chet asks, what are the advantages, what defines resources? Chet, resources is money, my friend. I thought that was common sense, but um, yeah, it's pretty obvious what that is. Look, I get it. I, I get it. Fans will see things the way they see it with a limited understanding of what goes on behind the scenes, but yeah, financial resources are significant. When you deal with them and you work in this business for 365 days a year, you know kind of what you have there. and um, It's it's the the way it is. It's 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 commitment. We talked about it with baseball, didn't we? And you know how did um, you know? And, and it 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 doesn't parallel to all sports either. You know how did Skip Bertman build a baseball program? Well, it's Tops program, and then you know they put emphasis on it. Okay, the money did it. it now it's a, it's a different look on who's the best baseball programs and all that. But there's a different it's a different deal. So, but football has a lot more history to it. Uh, if you look at, uh, it, it, Chet's, Chet's just missing a point. God love him. He's talking about Kiffin's salary. He, you, we're not talking about the head coach, Chet. We're talking about the entire staff and support staff. So uh, I get it. 
fine. You, you, you see it your way. You don't understand a lot of things. I, I don't know if I can explain it any better. Obviously, I've done a really bad job at that. But you got to have a, a better understanding. And, you know, maybe with more time, I'll get into it. But resources, staff, support staff, facilities, uh, everything that you don't see that, you know, those of us that work in football see, there's a huge difference in some places. It does not mean that um, somebody can't get it done at a lower level. It's just a lot more obstacles. Some have more resources. So, Neil, um, man, uh, I wish you a great vacation uh, with the young one, and we'll be back. I'll be back uh, Tuesday and Friday. We'll talk about this a little bit more and maybe get into um, a lot more. Uh, this topics and other things as we're getting ready. Man, the season will be here before you know it, I mean it'll be uh, be around. We got a we got a lot of things planned on going forward here. So man, I can't thank enough for Chet and Blake and Grind and Ben and uh, Corey and Gosh, I'm gonna forget the the rest of the guys for for participating today and being a part of it and really bringing it and enjoying it. Uh, uh, this uh, football talk about uh, philosophically speaking. Uh, in the SEC and everybody listening to. I know some of you can't participate in the chat room, but we really appreciate you, um, you know, being a part of what we're doing here and helping us grow, Neil. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Hey, be safe. Have fun. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk to you, uh, well, talk to you the week after next.